This is Barbara Gregorich, writer, reader, blogger, teacher, sharing with you some of the thoughts, inspirations, and writing decisions behind my work. Every Tuesday for the next few months, I'll podcast something that relates to mystery novels in general, the six Charlie Chan mysteries of Earl Durabriggers in particular, and my decision to write the biography, Charlie Chan's Papa, Earl Durabriggers. On the first and third Fridays of each month, I'll podcast something about my most recent book, The F-Words, a YA novel published by City of Light Publishing. I started first grade when I was five years old, and it was in first grade that I learned to read and that I was first introduced to the concept of a series of books. Up until that time, the only books I was familiar with were picture books that my mother or grandfather read to me, and none of these were series books. The series I was introduced to were the Dick and Jane Readers, published by Scott Forsman, and I must say I was underwhelmed. Dick bored me. Jane bored me. Sally bored me. Spot was fun. The series was not. I honestly think that if I thought about series at all, it was with the intention of avoiding them on the assumption that they would all be like Dick and Jane. But then came the third grade and the bookmobile. Wow, I could stand in line with other kids and we could enter the bookmobile three at a time and we could choose three books each if we wanted to. And I chose a book titled The Black Stallion by Walter Farley. And that changed my entire attitude toward books in series. Because now I wanted to know what happened next to Alec and the Black. I needed to know. I needed to know faster than the bookmobile could supply me with books. And so my mother took me to a bookstore and I bought the next book in the Black Stallion series. Three days later, I bought the next. My mother was very generous when it came to keeping me supplied with books. And so on and so forth until I caught up with Walter Farley's writing and had to wait for the next book in the series to come out. Agony. I was a fan and I wanted another book. I needed another book. I needed the story to go on and on and on and never end. Always another adventure on the horizon. I wrote Walter Farley a fan letter. It's possible that I urged him to hurry with the next book in the series. Only now, as an adult and a writer, do I realize how very difficult it is to produce a book a year. What's good for fans is not necessarily good for writers. Walter Farley may have known before, during, or, immediate, or immediately after writing The Black Stallion that he would write a sequel. That book was The Black Stallion Returns. Two books do not make a series. That takes three books. <clears throat> a sequel continues the story or expands on the theme of an earlier work. The Black Stallion Returns was clearly a sequel to the first book. <clears throat> the story continued from where it had left, on, left off. One of the reasons people love series is that they love to participate in the lives of other characters, be they heroes or villains. And they love to participate in these lives in a chronological cause and effect order. What's good for fans, more books in the series they love, may not be good for the writer. 
<clears throat> I suspect that Walter Farley felt the need of a break from Alec Ramsey in his Arab Stallion because after writing a third book titled Son of the Black Stallion, he wrote a fourth book about a boy and a horse titled The Island Stallion. This was not part of the Black Stallion series. It was totally separate, although it, ev it eventually became its own series and it eventually linked up with the Black Stallion series when the two boy heroes met. The point is, I believe the writer needed a break from writing about the same people and the same horses all the time. Today, we're inundated with series and fiction, in, even in nonfiction. Publishers like series because series sell more books. Readers like series because they, because they get to spend more time with the characters they love. But there was a time when writers didn't automatically jump at the thought of writing a series of books. Earl Derbiggers, creator of Charlie Chan, was thrilled that his first Chan novel, The House Without a Key, became a big hit. He was thrilled that the public clamored for more, more, more adventures of Charlie Chan. But Biggers wasn't sure whether or not he should write a second book about Chan. He did feel that to write such a book would be financially wise. Up until the Chan novels, he had never written a sequel to any of his novels, and he felt he could probably make more money writing a series. But what worried Biggers was this. He believed that as soon as he wrote a sequel, he would have taken a step down a road from which there was no going back because both his publisher and his public would demand nothing but Chan novels from him. This turned out to be absolutely correct. Bigger's publisher wanted nothing but Chan novels, as did his public. Biggers did write a sequel, The Chinese Parrot, to the first Chan book, but as he lamented to his editor, he who mounts a tiger cannot dismount. The public went crazy about Charlie Chan novels during the 1920s and early 1930s. Biggers received sackloads of fan mail, and his fans did not stop at praising him and telling him they wanted another Chan novel. No, they told him what the plot should be. Basically, they wanted Chan to take a trip from Hawaii to London to meet up with Inspector Duff, who had appeared in the third Chan book behind that curtain. <clears throat> These suggestions as to the plot of his fourth novel irritated Biggers. He wrote several letters to his editor complaining about the suggestions. In his fourth Chan novel, The Black Camel, Chan was in Hawaii and, and Inspector Duff was not present. I think Biggers was saying phooey to the plot suggestions coming in from his millions of fans around the world. The books, by the way, were translated into 23 different languages. But what his fans suggested must have made an impression on Biggers and he ended up using their suggestions, though not in the way they had suggested them. <coughs> in the fifth Chan book, Charlie Chan Carries On, Chan does not go to London. Too bad, fans. But a murderer does go to London. 
That murderer is on an around the world cruise. He murders somebody on the ship while it's in London. And so Inspector Duff, who cannot solve the crime before the ship leaves, joins the passengers on their cruise. The murderer strikes again in Italy, but again, Duff can't determine who that murderer is. Finally, halfway through the book, the cruise reaches Hawaii. So instead of Chan going to London to meet Duff, it's Duff who comes to Hawaii to meet Chan. What the fans really wanted was a reunion of Chan and Duff, and Biggers gave them that, but in his own way. And I'm glad he did, because the fifth novel is delightful. Biggers managed to keep his hero out of the book for half its length, bring him in at a critical moment, and continue the exciting story of the Around the World cruise. As one who loves reading mystery series, but also as one who understands that authors need breathing space and creative room, I totally admire the way Biggers carried on his Chan series. Speaking of series, there are at least two kinds of books in series. One kind continues the series hero and supporting characters, but not necessarily in chronological event-driven order. Examples of such series are the Sherlock Holmes stories, Christie's Poirot series, and her Miss Marple series. The Nancy Drew books and the Hardy Boys books also fall into this category. The other type of series, more modern than the first, develops the life of the hero in a chronological, cause-and-effect, event-driven order. This is the type of series that some fans will read only in the order the books were written because they want to experience the hero's life in the order the events occurred. Interestingly, my favorite mystery series when growing up was the Trixie Bolden series, and those books were definitely chronological order and event-in-hero's-life-driven. And my two proof novels, Dirty Proof and Soundproof, are written in sequential events order. I'm a fan of Stephen Saylor's Gordianus books. Gordianus is a Roman finder or detective who lives before, during, and after the rise of Julius Caesar. The novels in the series are interrupted with collections of short stories sandwiched between short stories featuring Gordianus, but at the same time, short stories that aren't in chronological order. Sailor is not the only writer to have done this. As a reader, I find this interruption of the novel form disappointing. I feel that the hero's life is not progressing, especially because the short stories are often from different periods in the hero's life. And because the novels are in chronological order, I have to struggle to fit the short stories into a time framework. Going back and forth in a hero's life pleases some readers and displeases others. When writers decide to write a story out of sequence, for example, in their fifth book in the series, they might write about events that occurred before the first book in the series. Publishers may decide to put numbers on the outside of the books, and those numbers refer to the chronological place the book holds in the series. If a series is complete, these numbers help. If a series is still in progress, the numbers may become invalid. Many authors who write series grow tired of writing them. They need a mental and emotional break from the characters. They need time to let new plots develop. So they take a break from the series as a way of replenishing the well. <clears throat> 
But so often what they do is start a second series of books. Sometimes the characters in this second series know the characters in the first, sometimes they do not. And sometimes it's difficult to tell if a writer is writing one series or two. Tony Hillerman's Joe Leaphorn and Jimmy Chee series was like this. Maybe it was two series, maybe it was one series which wandered around a bit. Some writers write series not about a single set of characters, but about people who live in the same town. Each character gets his or her own story. Romance writer Robin Carr did this with her popular Virgin River series, though she stopped the series at 20 books and started a different series. When I read reviews of romance novels in Publishers Weekly, I notice that many of them are about, say, four or five sisters, each of whom gets her own book, or five brothers or ten cousins. One good thing about this is that each author is committed to a short series, not an endless series. The longest series I'm currently reading, that is, I haven't stopped reading the series for one another, is Michael Connolly's Harry Bosch series. Uh, he has expanded into the Renee Ballard and Harry Bosch books. I've read the first, uh, every one of the first 23 or more books and I'm waiting for the next. The next longest series I'm still reading is the number one ladies detective agency series. My future podcasts will include The House Without a Key, The Chinese Parrot, Behind That Curtain, The Black Camel, and more.